Welcome to Let's Get to Work, a podcast with stories of hope and inspiration for people experiencing blindness and vision loss, as well as those wanting to support us. Brought to you by the Employment Committee of the American Council of the Blind, a place where we talk about all things employment, finding jobs, holding jobs, building careers, and challenging stigmas. Each month will consist of two visually impaired people who have chosen to travel down unique career paths. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get to work. Hey everyone, this is Michael, a new host on the Employment Committee call for Let's Get to Work podcast, and I am joined by a guy who I have seen around the web and talked to here and there, and after I got a copy of his bio, really intrigued me, uh, and I am joined with Nimer. Hi Nimer, how are you doing today? Hello, uh, it is Nimer, and doing well, how are you? Thank you, Nimmer. I asked you before, and I had the pronunciation right, and then I went and butchered it. So thank you for correcting me. Uh, Nimmer, so can you give us a real quick overview of your uh, visual impairment status? Uh, I am totally blind, uh, and uh, I have prosthetics, so definitely no light perception, no perception of any kind. Okay. And have you been blind since birth, or is it a recent thing? I have been blind since birth. All right. And you have a very interesting uh, work history. I'm mostly excited about uh, some of the jobs you performed in high school. So I'm going to go through some of these and uh, get your thoughts on, or get some of your thoughts on how it was working in these positions. Mainly, it looks like you were a an analyst intern uh, in high school. Can you tell us a little bit about what that job entailed of? Yep, so I took on a few different roles in high school. Uh, that particular one, I worked for the district attorney's office. And uh, in, uh, I was tasked with uh, listening to inmate call logs. And uh, so basically in the jails or in the prisons, inmates have their calls recorded. And so someone needs to go through and listen to those to see if they're talking about the crime that they're accused of or if they are talking about a different crime or anything like that. And so that was kind of my role was to sit there and literally play a lot of these files uh, to see what uh, what they were accused of. I see. And was all of that digital or did you have to make some modifications for that job? Uh, it was a little bit uh, interesting starting out because they were using uh, it was it was computerized, but they uh, hadn't really had a blind person doing it before. And this was about the time where NVDA had just uh, come out, and I was one of its early users. And so I actually stuck uh, NVDA on a flash drive, and somehow I was allowed to do this. I'm not quite sure why, really, but uh, so I had NVDA running on a flash drive and connected to the the computer, and then another fun thing I had to work out was they were using their own sort of software to listen to these and they had their own special format. But I figured out that actually if you rename these to MP3s, they were they would actually still open up in like a media player. And, uh, and so I was able to actually get around their inaccessible software by just renaming the file. 
Ah, so you found a creative uh, way to get around having to deal with inaccessible software. Uh, it sounds like technology is something that you've been involved in quite a bit. I also see here that you've done some technology training in a couple of different positions. Is that is that correct? Yes, I have. Uh, yep. I, uh, so even throughout high school, I was always interested in, in learning new things and uh, trying out different technologies. I was tasked with uh, working with some of the uh, teachers for the visually impaired to work with them and with their students on different technology. So this is uh, in high school. And then after that, in the, in the working world, I ended up starting out with uh, an internship at uh, a uh, entity in Minnesota. And uh, so then uh, I left and took on another couple other positions and then came back and um, still work with them part-time so okay and with that position that you're doing part-time is that one-on-one hands-on training with different technologies or are you doing more group training and so i have done both hands-on and group training and uh, right now yeah it's still a mixture of both but it is a remote position because as i've said the company's in minnesota and i no longer live there so uh, at this point, it's a more of a remote position, but I'm still doing both individual and group training. Got it. So, uh, and a couple of other positions to go over here. One really intrigued me. It looks like you were a tier two call center representative. I've done some call center work myself. Um, what did you do in that type of position? So any company who wants to do business with the federal government, they have to be uh, signed up for this website. And uh, this uh, this particular site uh, has uh, you know there's a call center that supports the people who uh, sign up with this website because it's got a lot of issues and people need to know where to go and and which uh, you know which part they need to sign up for et cetera et cetera and what their case status is and and uh, whether they're registered or their registrations expired. So I started out just taking some of those uh, intro calls and trying to answer any questions and then escalated to a tier two position where uh, the calls that got escalated went to me. So, yes. Yeah, that is a, uh, I imagine it, it provided some, a lot of similar answering of questions, but uh, also had unique aspect to it. Yeah, I'd say they're more technical, and I had more of an ability to actually fix people's problems, so I preferred the Tier 2 over the Tier 1, because in Tier 1, I pretty much would say, yep, I'm just going to transfer you to Tier 2, <laughs> and um, so, yes. Yeah, you can only do so much as Tier 1 in a lot of contact center positions. Um, That's right. What type of ex- uh, assistive technology did you use in the call center? Uh, so I was using, let's see, I'm pretty sure it was JAWS at the time. I was using JAWS, and uh, I was using a Braille device, a uh, Braille display, and uh, they had a, a system that for for data that was not hugely accessible, but uh, they worked to make it more accessible as time went on. So uh, there's a lot of, like, learning little hacks and keyboard shortcuts and things that would get me to where I needed to go because it was, I would say, not ideal in its accessibility. 
Yeah, I've, I've experienced a couple of those uh, scenarios. And when you're on the phone with a customer, you don't want to be fiddling around with your technology trying to get the answers. You want to be able to hold that conversation with the customer and be able to uh, get the answers at the same time. Yes. So you told us that you are doing some part-time work in Minnesota, but it looks here like you have a another prominent job. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what, a, what it is you are doing now? I work at Google as uh, my official title is uh, Accessibility Analyst, and I work on the Android uh, engineering team and uh, work to make the number one world's most used operating system accessible. And I uh, mobile operating per- system, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm personally thankful for for people like yourself because I have an Android right here, and if it wasn't uh, uh, accessible, wouldn't it be something I could use? So how did you find this position? Uh, so I started out filing a bunch of Chromebooks, which really anyone can do uh, externally. Uh, there, There's a Chromium bug tracker is an external tracker, which anyone can access. And so I started out by doing that, and then I connected with a person that worked at Google at a conference I was at, uh, part of my previous job. And um, I think the person asked me what I thought of Chrome OS, and at the time, it sucked. And so I said it was terrible. And here's like a billion bugs about, you know, why it's so terrible. And uh, she's like, well... Uh, Actually, we're working on a new one, and uh, would you like to help test the new one? So I started testing the new one, again, externally, and um, eventually she sent me a link to a posting for a position with a vendor, uh, a vending company, and that's really like probably more than half of Google's workforce are, uh, are vendors or contractors of some kind working for another company. And so that's how I started out, and it eventually converted to being employed directly by by Google. And in that process, I worked for a couple of different teams. Uh, I started out working at uh, Google uh, Workspace or G Suite, which is like Gmail and and Docs and Sheets and all that, and then transitioned over to Android. So what does an accessibility analyst do then? It's a pretty broad role, and it really depends on the team itself. And so some of it is uh, just basic finding bugs, triaging bugs, filing those things, uh, sitting down with the engineers side by side to give them feedback. Uh, some of us have access to some of the, the tools engineering, uh, the engineers use. And so if there is an issue that we are feel confident that we're able to fix, then we end up fixing those issues. Uh, it's really dependent on the team, but it's a pretty broad role. And it also generally involves interfacing probably with other teams and possibly with external users to figure out what uh, you know what accessibility issues they're finding uh, lots of things like that so so it sounds to me like it's a lot of communication between multiple different teams and the end user to try to provide a better product would that be a good summary yes that's right um and what so uh, I'm assuming, and you know what they say about assuming. So I, I'm guessing you're using Chrome a lot. Are you using a Chromebook, or do you use a Windows laptop, or are you a Mac user? So uh, at the moment, I use uh, Linux on my personal machine, a combination of Linux and Windows. And for work, 
I use Windows, Chrome OS. Uh, I have a personal Chromebook too. Uh, when I was in G Suite, I was using a Mac. Uh, I have both iOS and Android here. So Google tests and runs its products on many different platforms. So right now on the Android team, I'm mostly probably in Windows uh, or Chrome OS. So, but yeah, it just depends. Okay. Um, and what is it that you find fulfilling in the position that you're in right now? So uh, I'm blind, and if I wasn't blind, I'd probably be in the military or something similar to that. And uh, I enjoy helping people and giving back. And uh, so I, I feel like trying to make the world's most used mobile OS accessible is a way for me to do that. And uh, so I get fulfillment in that way. And plus, I like playing around with new toys and, uh, and new tech. So that's always fun, too. Yeah, I enjoy new technology and exploring uh, technology myself. And I'm, I'm really curious about if someone wanted to get into being a accessibility analyst or providing feedback, I guess we'll, we'll go back a little bit. If someone wanted to get into providing some feedback to a company, they're using a product or a service and realize that there are some accessibility challenges. What are some tips you may give to that person? It's an interesting question. I think the number one tip is to really get acquainted with the technology, with your assistive technology and with, uh, with other technologies and to, to make use of multiple tools because sometimes I see a lot of bugs that get filed that are more of the user not knowing how to perform a task and not knowing the features of their particular screen reader and not so much the, uh, the the tool they're trying to use that they're reporting accessibility challenges with. So I say really get comfortable with your tools and, and your assistive technology and be willing to be willing to think outside of the box and to to face those challenges. So you know if you're if you're uh, averse to any kind of uh, technological issue or if you think that uh, you know you're you're afraid of pushing something that might break your computer, that might not be uh, for you. But de definitely try to get acquainted with the tech and try to facing those issues and uh, and looking for those issues and then also just being able to describe so it's not enough to say to file a bug and say yep this sucks or this is broken uh, you really have to think about what do the engineers need to actually fix the issue and that might mean creating a video or a screenshot of the issue but it also might mean like um, you know, providing very specific steps and software versions, hardware that's being used, that kind of thing. This is what I do, and this is how it's happening. This is what I expect to happen. This is what's actually happening. And you know, a step-by-step -step process uh, for that. And then, you know, figuring out how does one submit feedback to that particular tool. A lot of tools have uh, feedback, you know, uh, feedback uh, buttons or links or, or things in their menus that they can submit feedback that way. And uh, sometimes there are bug trackers like the Chrome bug tracker that I mentioned. So there's, uh, there's bug trackers that way. If you have a Chromebook, you can push a hotkey to actually create a bug uh, report and, and write down your steps. So 
It really depends on the platform, but it's pretty similar in that way. There's uh, sometimes also disability answer desks that you can contact. And if you're giving them uh, a specific bug and they're able to reproduce it, they will file that bug as well for you. So uh, there's that as well. Very uh, in-depth answer. I, I really appreciate that. Um, you sound like someone who's used to having to work around some challenges when it comes to technology not working the way you expect or you not being able to get your job done. What what are some typical troubleshooting steps that you take if you encounter an accessibility issue in order to get the job done? You know, computers are... Uh, or phones or whatever, they're built by humans. And so I think to me it's a puzzle to figure out what is the human asking this tool to do and why is it doing what it's doing. Uh, to me it's a puzzle, so I, I kind of enjoy this kind of work um, to, to really try to figure that out. For some people it's frustrating, in which case the first thing that we really want to do is just walk away and come back in a calmer state when you're actually able to think about that uh, process a little bit more thoroughly, a little bit, uh, a little bit clearer without being a kind of upset or mad at the computer without wanting to throw it out the window and then figure out like what might be causing this issue what are you doing you know nothing happens randomly so what are you pressing that is that is causing this issue and is that the right button combination to be pressing uh, if that's the case then you know is there another screen reader that might uh, that might have better results, or is your screen reader the one that's having the issue? Uh, is there another browser that, that might be having the issue? You know, that might be a quick way to, to narrow down whether it's an issue with Chrome or an issue with Firefox or whatever. Like, can, can you open up an, another browser? Sometimes it's related to an account, so maybe can you open up an incognito window where you don't have any other extensions or a, a profile loaded or anything like that uh, to see if that helps the situation? Uh, can you try a website that has maybe similar content or, you know, if it is a web thing, can you try something like that that has similar content uh, to see if it's an issue with that particular element? Uh, some people get to learn the web, the dev tools, and so that might be a way to, to narrow down, like, what might be going on? Uh, is it an issue with ARIA tags or, or something like that? Uh, so hopefully that answered the question. But there's, there's a number of steps that one can take, and, uh, but I think it's just about having those tools in that toolbox. And not sticking with one thing that you know, I, I completely agree. In high school, when you got started with the jobs that you were doing in high school, did you think you would be doing full-time what you're doing now? Yeah, it's interesting. I think in high school, I probably did talk about working for Google because uh, I just like to get my hands, uh, just play with toys and, and that kind of thing. So it was kind of a dream that I was like, ah, it would be really cool to work at Google one of these days. Uh, but also, as I said, I kind of have to, have had to really face the limitations of of uh, the fact that I have a vision impairment because really, if I wasn't blind, this is not what I would be doing at all. Uh, but the fact that I am doing it, I I do enjoy doing it, and I'm glad to be at Google. And it was something that I did think about, like, oh, maybe I I'll go to work for Google. Uh, it took me a while to get here, but uh, I got there. Well, congratulations. That is uh, exciting and, and amazing. Um, we've got about another eight minutes or so. So in that last period of time, I am curious, 
If you could go back and tell yourself something, one piece of advice or one tip to help you with getting to where you are now faster, what would that be? Uh, I think for me, it's just to not spin in different directions and just focus on, you know, whatever it is that I think that I would like to do and not get so focused on stats or focused on what other people say is likely to happen or not likely to happen or not get dragged down into the, oh, well, it's, for me, it's pretty uh, disheartening and it's hard to see all the stats. Like there's uh, 60, 70, 80% unemployment rate amongst blind people. And there's only like, uh, you know, about 1% of people that apply to work at Google actually end up at Google. There's, there's all kinds of like really negative stats and, and, um, and that kind of thing. And those stats are, well, they exist. They're real. But also, if there's something that that I want to do, it's just about trying to go out and doing that, whatever that task is, and not really paying any attention to what others think that I should do, and not paying attention to what the stats say that I will likely do. Uh, if there's something that you're passionate about, go out and do that thing, and... Uh, and don't bother thinking about whether it should be or shouldn't be done or how it, how it should or shouldn't be done, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so. Perfect. And, and I really appreciate that. It, it is really advantageous to find what you're passionate about and, uh, take the metaphorical bull by the horns and, and go out there and, do what you need to do to make that passion become a reality. So let's wrap it up here uh, with me asking you, where do you, I, I understand you're with Google. If you could do anything with Google at this time, would it be in your current position or do you want to do something else? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I see myself in my current position for a while, but eventually I'd like to get into more of the, the out of the box experiences, the, the, um, thinking and experiences uh, and by out of the box I don't mean like you, you get a product and you unbox it I mean like I guess as an example there's all kinds of technologies these days to uh, that that is you know we're increasing the use of technology and in many ways I think it's actually hurting us as blind people and I'd like to see a lot more work going into that into that experience uh as an example there's a lot more uh oh i don't know washers dryers all these things with touch screens touch screen panels and they're not necessarily accessible some of them have apps uh and those apps depending on the manufacturer are somewhat accessible but uh, i don't know there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of these things are coming out uh, more kiosks uh, more things like this also, the uh, the uh, move to autonomous stuff, the robots, autonomous cars, all these uh, things. I, I'd like to see us not fall behind once uh, these get to be more prevalent, and they're already pretty prevalent. I'd like to see us not fall behind. And in fact, I I can see that these things helping us out uh, tremendously more. There's also the, the issue of like mobility aids and that kind of thing. You know, the canes work and the canes work great, but 
We also have planes and that fly themselves and cars that drive themselves, et cetera, et cetera. So what what innovations can we come up with that will drive uh, us as a community forward and, and reduce some of those barriers for transportation and employment and all these things? So that's kind of uh, what gives me more passion, I would say. That makes sense. Uh, it, it prompts me to consider uh, some content I had observed of yours recently talking about individuals who are facing some challenges with being able to interact with their devices just by voice. And you can do that, but having the ability to use your technology in, in its fullest, I think, is important because you need to be able to do more than just one thing uh, to send an email or to check your call logs. You need to be able to use your device. So um, having a having an experience that you as a blind individual can fully interact with with your sighted colleagues is, is definitely important. So I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And before we wrap it up, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I think that came up because uh, there was some discussion about the new, uh, the, some of the bugs with Siri, and, and it is my hope that those get addressed, but it's also my hope that trainers in general don't focus on one method of doing things and really provide as many tools, and, and, that, and that students or that adults or whoever it is that, that's out there listening, that you go out and get as many tools in the box as you can uh, because those tools are going to help you do whatever it is that you'd like to do without those tools then you're only limiting yourself. So if you only can do things with voice commands, for example, uh, it, it's just a little bit more limiting to what you could possibly do otherwise. And, and for you, if you if, uh, if voice commands is the only way of doing things, I hope that gets fixed for you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, Nimer, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to uh, come sit down with us on the Let's Get to Work podcast from the American Council of Blind uh, Employment Committee. Thank you all. Um, Nimer, can I ask you a question? Yes, you can. Uh, thank you. Uh, this is Peter, but I was intrigued when you said something along the lines of that if you could see, you'd probably be in the military. Uh, can you talk a little more about that? And how do you think that influenced your career path as a blind person? Sure. Uh, I, I would be in the military. Uh, I'd be, I, I like to, you know, be out and moving uh, and going and, uh, and that kind of thing. Also, I find the you know biggest part of what the military does is really just try to keep people safe, protect people, uh, kind of thing, and uh, you know serve. And so it's always drawn me to that. And so that's what I would be doing in terms of how it's kind of connected me with my current role. Well, I think as a blind person, I'm probably more suited to doing uh, work with technology and computers and that kind of thing, rather than firing M16s. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it also goes towards the same goal of, uh, and there's other pathways to that, but it also goes to the same goal of that's what I'm trying to do is, is help people uh, do more with their technology and, uh, and help the technology uh, help people. So uh, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's, that's great. Hi, Nimmer. This is Rosanna. Um, I just have a really quick thought for you, too. Your presentation was great, by the way. Thank you. And, you know, you brought up something, I think, that is definitely 
something that the blind world is struggling with right now, and that's the newer technology that's coming out. A lot of it is digital. I, I can tell you I have a digital washing machine and a digital dryer and a digital uh, toaster oven, and it's extremely difficult because there's no way to really make it accessible. And I, I'm, I, I would disagree. Uh, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I think no. there's lots of ways to make it accessible. I just think that it's not necessarily being done. That's uh, that my there point. Are, there are certainly ways of making it accessible. Oh, I agree. I, my point was that it's not being done. That was exactly my point. Um, and, I, I, you know, the fact that you're out there wanting to, to get it done, to me, is just a wonderful, you know, a wonderful thing. And I think it's needed. Oh, I think it can be done. It just hasn't been. That's basically my point. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the focus so far has been on making the apps themselves accessible, but that just means that you have to have a second device. and Correct. Uh, you have Correct. to figure out a way to connect the two, et cetera, et cetera. So, I, yeah, I would like to see some of these uh, things become more accessible for sure. And some of it's easier said than done. Like, yeah, my dryer, they said, is accessible with the app. Yes, it works, but not as well as it could. Um, they said it's accessible with the A-Lady. I've never been able to get it connected. So, I mean, right. these are things they need to work on to simplify the method so that a blind person can take advantage of it. Yeah, and it's my philosophy that any device, you know, whatever interface is being used, if it's available to uh, a sighted person, it should be available to a blind person or any other person for that matter. So, you know, if the touchscreen works for, for other people, it should work for blind people. Totally agree. And thank you again for an awesome presentation. Thank you. You've been listening to Let's Get to Work, a podcast from the Employment Committee at the American Council of the Blind. Have questions, episode ideas, or feedback? Feel free to email Brooke Jostet, the committee chair, at B-R-O-O-K-E underscore J-O-S-T-A-D at Comcast.net. Until next time, work it.